Hey guys, it's Adam from the Three Ghosts Night Four Ghosts podcast. I uh, just figured I would uh, submit something to you guys because um, I know with all the turmoil that has happened uh, with the Ottawa Senators in the off season, and of course all of the issues of management. Uh, one thing I think that kind of has been uh, forgotten about is uh, stuntman Stu, the voice of the Sens, uh, did step down. Well, I have obtained a tape of some of the people that were trying to uh, not necessarily replace, but to, to take the job as, as MC of the Sens. And uh, anyways, I figured I would uh, let you guys take a listen. And uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see how... Uh, how things go, so uh, enjoy. Oh, let me tell you something, brother. The Sens goal was scored by Brady Kachuk on a beauty, on a beauty setup. The real American scored the goal. Let me tell you something, brother. The Canadian Tire Center better get on their feet for Brady Kachuk. On a beautiful setup from Matt Duchesne, the pride of Halliburton, Ontario, brother. Oh, yeah. He's had his toes toes in Lake Kashuga Wigamog. Let me tell you something right now. I see you over there, sitting on the bench over there, Austin Matthews. What you gonna do when Brady Kachuk comes for you? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Canadian Tire Center. This is your MC for the evening, Gilbert Gottfried. I would like everybody to know that although I am no longer the voice of the Aflac Duck, I am here to tell you about Eugene Melnick and how many things he's going to be doing for the Ottawa Senators. The answer is not very much. So if you, if I was you, I would go in your car and beat the traffic and go down to Milestones. I will be there handing out autographs and doing some of my comedy bits. Thanks, guys. Have a great evening. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tam Jensie. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good. Actually not below freezing today, which is kind of amazing. What are you guys at right now? Two. That's not bad. It's not bad at all, actually. I mean, it's better than zero. That's true. I mean, apparently, I think for Grey Cup weekend coming up in Edmonton, I think it's supposed to be high up minus six. Ooh, that's practically balmy for them. I know. So, Tim, I want to try something new for this episode because, as you know, as some of the people who follow us online know, we've been doing a third-line plug Sensecast poll. And this is to figure out who's going to be the cover athlete 
for each episode. And we've been doing this since, I believe, right from the beginning. I might be wrong on that. And last week, the fans voted in Shane Hindi. Now, I don't even remember Shane Hindi as a senator. But this week, we had three goalies on the poll. And the winner, with a whopping 60%, Tom Barrasso. Tim, what are your thoughts about Tom Barrasso? That is a name that I don't even recognize. Yeah, he wasn't a senator for very long, and I believe he was only a senator for part of the 99-2000 season. And it's actually funny to note that we have Tom Barrasso because, fun fact, he is, I think, one of three or four goalies drafted first overall. Yeah, I'm just going to bring up yeah. Tom Barrasso here on Google. Uh, let's have a look here. No, sorry, I was wrong. Tom Barrasso fifth drifted overall, yeah. fifth overall in 1983 by the Buffalo Sabres. Great draft class, too, because that's where Steve Eisman, Pat LaFontaine, Cam Neely, a lot of the greats came out of that draft class, and Tom Barrasso, fifth overall. So I'm guessing he probably got voted in based on his body of work with the Penguins. Penguins and Sabres, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Penguins, Sabres. And he played for us from the 99-2000 season. Played seven games. Had three wins, four losses. And afterwards, he went to Carolina, then Toronto, and St. Louis to finish off the next two seasons. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we currently have a poll up right now. And it's going to be Season 2, Episode 8. Which is, if you're following at home, episode 36. And we've got three candidates on the board. We've got Rob Klinkhammer, current Senator Colin White, and Josh Hennessy. Now, I know that you had some thoughts on Josh Hennessy, Tim. If you vote for Hennessy, you're a cop. You're a cop. Although, to be fair, apparently he's a cool guy, but, again, just didn't really play long enough. No, I don't even think he made the big club, if I'm not mistaken. I think he played, like, ten games, maybe. If that. Yeah. I... He was, like, one of those guys. Like, he's kind of in, like, that Cody Bass space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. weird because the next couple of episodes coming up, we don't really have a ton of, you know, a ton of big names coming up for the next several episodes, but we'll try our best, you know. And, you know, the fans will vote him in, and we'll definitely talk about it. Apparently, Josh Hennessy's making an AHL comeback, though. Oh, right on. Yeah, so, he's played He played 52 games last year and ended up with 17 points. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah. So, Tim, now that we got that out of the way, how has your week been? It's been pretty good. Honestly, not too busy at work, which means I got more time to play uh, Let's Go Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu. Now, I got a chance to look at your Twitter because the hashtag TimPlaysPokeGo has actually been trending with a couple of tweets from you. Well, I mean, I've been drive- driving the trend myself, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it's uh, just really interesting to see what they've done with that. Uh... So this game came out around about the 20th anniversary of the release in North America. Okay. So the first two games, uh, Red and Green, were released in 1995, and they're terrifying. I thought uh, Red and Blue were the first ones out. Nope. In Japan, you had Red and Green. And then they were remade with the blue version. Okay. And we got, we basically got the North, we got the Japanese blue version with the Pokemon spreads from red and green. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't super into Pokemon growing up, but 
I know that you were. And when I saw those tweets, I'm just like, it's nice to see Tim hasn't changed. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny because it's they really took like red and blue just because of the limited Game Boy. Like these were Game Boy original Game Boy cartridges, not even Game Boy Color cartridges. Mm-hmm. So they had a very limited amount of ROM on them. So a lot of the story elements they wanted to go on were like either very simplistic or somewhat curtailed. So the game's done a very good job of allowing you kind kind of the freedom of a very curtailed story right. while really building on the story elements that were kind of not really fully there in the original games. The only thing I don't really like about it is it's Pokemon Go catching mechanics, which gets really boring. Ah, okay. So the early part of the game is a real slog because you're just getting experience by catching a lot of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. As you get further into the game, you, have, you do that less, and the game gets a lot more fun. Now, I understand, given some of the tweets you put out, there was one thing you were disappointed with, Tim. Uh-huh. Shirtless Brock. <sighs> I mean, did they have to give him a shirt? I saw that, and I'm just like, I don't know where Tim's going with this, but I might want to keep an eye on his tweets. I think that's all I really wanted to say, like, why are we giving a man a shirt when he just wants to relax? I I really don't know what to say <laughs> about that, Tim. It's just like, oh, Jesus. I mean, it's true. Sounds like you had a pretty laid-back week anyway, Tim. Yeah. Honestly, just kind of a bit ahead of the ball at work, so... I was in a good place. Awesome. Yeah, I can't say the same because my week was kind of hectic, actually. On Wednesday, we did a Japanese theme dinner. Now, I am usually okay with those theme dinners. I understand that, you know, the, the kids from certain countries get dressed up and we serve them dishes for those countries. And it's usually a good time. Japanese dinner, for whatever reason, is the hardest and it is a total clusterfuck every year that we do this because... You lack discipline. That too, but it just, it runs long. We're in a bad mood by the end of it because we're staying late every night because of Japanese, when we do the Japanese dinner. And that night was no exception. We're look. I was looking at the lineup and I was like, fuck, it's like 20 after six. And dinner, and all the kids are gone at 6.30. Yeah. 20 after six, kids are still coming in. And I'm looking at my boss like, what the hell is going on? Why are we not bringing everybody in all at once? And from what I understand, we did over 600 people. So it's you guys make good Japanese food, is what I'm hearing. Well, we didn't do too bad. Um, Honestly, I was a little disappointed with the sushi. I would have rather had homemade sushi, but homemade sushi, it takes a long time to do. And especially if you're serving 600 plus people, right? Oh, I can only imagine because I know when Chelsea and I make uh, rolls at home, it's it's a fully involved process because you have to properly make the rice then you have to hand then you have to hand roll it it's a process absolutely man and then on thursday now thursday wasn't a bad day okay i got to work and i'm thinking all right you know thursday's gonna be a better day no theme dinner it's just gonna be good and i'm ahead of the game of doing all the things right and i'm in the student center changing out the garbages and somebody comes to me and be like uh tay you're needed in the kitchen oh yeah why is this um, Andrew cut the tip of his finger off. 
I was Jesus like, Christ. Okay. I'll go check on that. And I come in, and my buddy Andrew is leaning over the sink, holding his finger, and I can see him going into shock. Oh, Jesus. I'm like, are you okay, man? He says, nope. No, man. Like, I just cut the tip of my finger off. And he was going white. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, just... I'm gonna. I'm trying to trying to stay calm and, you know, because I've never had to do anything like this, man. Even though I am a first aid attendant, in the two years I've had my first aid ticket, I've never had to do it. I've never had to use it. So mm-hmm. this was a new experience. So I, I cleaned the wound. I got the gauze, and I taped the gauze to the finger. Now, apparently, I did that wrong. There's actually a roll. You're supposed to put your finger in the shuttlecock, and you're supposed to wrap it like that. Now I forgot that step. Uh-oh. So if WCB happens, uh, so if WCB listening, basically what I did is I put the finger in the finger caught and I wrapped it over so nicely and I gave him a handout. Yeah. And so, so that was my day and I got behind and I wasn't too bad. Everybody else helped me out. And what else did I do? Friday. Oh fuck! Friday was Friday was bad too because. So the, the Milby Fire Department over by Brentwood, they were doing a tour of the new athletic center on Friday night, and mm-hmm. there was some miscommunication on both of our parts between the higher-ups in the school and us about was, because they ordered pizza, is the pizza being picked up by them, or are we delivering the pizza? So there's miscommunication on it. We had to pull the warming cab. We had to push that up the hill to the foot center. Oh, fuck. And we were just like, holy fuck. Fuck! This is a bad idea! And this is at 8 o'clock at night and we're doing this. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to get out of here on time. And it was another late night. And, yeah, it, it was just rough. It was a rough night. Saturday wasn't too bad. Saturday was a more laid-back day. Sunday, I had a day off, but I had to do some work on my car. And I am proud to announce for the first time this season... I have watched all three of the Ottawa Senator games. Wow. No condensed games, no nothing. I watched all of it. I made a point because over the last, I would say, six, seven episodes, I've at least had one game where I've condensed watched it. Mm-hmm. And I made a point this week. I says, no, you know, Going to do this. Going to watch all three games. I don't care how badly we got beat by Florida. I'm going to watch the game. Oh, you're a braver man than I am. Yeah. I just so, turned that crap off. Mm-hmm. So, now before we go into games that we, and top of the hour we're going to talk about today, let's talk about the Joseph St. Amour interview that we did last week, Tim, because I don't know about you, but... I didn't feel it was our best, and I think more on my end, because I felt like I rushed everything. Yeah, it felt a little fast. I still think half an hour is not a bad length for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Although, at the same time, maybe I pushed his buttons a bit too much. You know what? I was listening to that, and I was just like, where the hell is he going with this? <laughs> and I didn't want to jump in and be like, what are you talking about, Tim? And I, And as soon as you said it, I was like, uh, Tim, he's never going to come back now, is he? <laughs> I think the buttons were adequately pushed. It's true, but uh, actually it's funny. I was talking to Joseph yesterday, and mm-hmm. he's an Ottawa Red Blacks fan who just made the Great Cup, and his boss said if the Red Blacks made the Great Cup in Edmonton, 
Joseph would go to the game because he would get his boss's ticket. So, Joseph will be heading to the Grey Cup in Edmonton this weekend. Nice. Uh, hopefully you get some... Because he said he's going to be starting a blog for that, so that's probably a good time to start doing some coverage. Absolutely, man. And I'm actually surprised that, given how close away that he and his fiance are away from having their first child, that he yeah, can no get away from all of that to watch the game. Well, I mean... I've got a feeling Chelsea would be chasing me down the street with a spoon. Now, wooden or metal? We don't... Probably the big wood one. I know. It's a shame that we can't get Chelsea on right now to ask. <laughs> There's work to be done. Yes, there is. Now, I was actually listening back to that interview, and one thing that I noticed is that, especially on my end, more than the fact that I rushed everything, I got some feedback during the recording, uh -huh. and I was just like, oh, no, not this. And it didn't sound too bad when, as soon as I heard the episode, I was like, okay, there's only certain parts where the feedback was actually noticeable. Well, that's good. Yeah. So let's also talk about Season 2, Episode 6, which, if you're following at home, is Episode 34. So what did you think about the recording of last week's episode? I thought it was a pretty straightforward episode, given that... We had just come off interviewing Joseph, and I think we were ready to go. And I think we did a pretty decent job. I mean, it's a mid-season episode. Uh, and honestly, we had some pretty decent games to talk about, so I don't think it was that. It was neither here nor there. I don't think um, it was a mid-season, mid Tim. It's only November. We're getting close to mid-season. Mid-season to me is like January. Fair enough, but that's also like past the 40-game mark. Is it really? I thought uh, I thought forty games was in January. Well, I mean, we're at twenty now, and we're mid-November. No, we're at eighteen, if I'm not mistaken. Currently, as of this evening. Oh, as of this evening, I thought this was our twenty-first game. Yeah, it doesn't no, matter. It doesn't matter. We can look into yeah. it later, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Tim, now that we got that out of the way, let's segue into this little segment I like to call "Top of the Hour." Unfortunately, we gotta talk about a death again. And it also involves the Ottawa Senators. Oh, this is this one's real sad. Yep. Ottawa Senators equipment assistant Mike Foley lost his battle to cancer before the team's game versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we wanted to give him a shout out, especially during the because it's hockey fights cancer month. That this is really sad. For sure. And it's this is a guy that uh, they always talk about being kind of like the salt of the earth for the team sort of thing. Right. Like, he's always there, smile on his face, making sure that, like, everything is done to the degree that people, like, the exact way people want it to be done. And uh, it, it, from the sounds of it, he's going to be sorely missed. Absolutely, man. So we got to actually give two shout-outs because it's been a big week for some veteran players. Oh, yeah. New York Rangers goalie Henrik Lundqvist moved into 7th place all-time in wins with his 438th win versus the Florida Panthers. I'm a little surprised he's that low, to be honest. Well, given that... When did he join the league? 2005? 2005? 2006? Yeah. Around there? So the fact that... Because he's a low, low draft pick. The fact that he made the NHL, took the starting job, and I think think it's somebody you can correct me if i'm wrong i think they've only missed the playoffs 
once? Once? Twice since Long Quest has been there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's damn insane what he's been able to do. Mm-hmm. Not to be outdone, though, San Jose Sharks forward Joe Thornton recorded his 400th goal, making him one of seven players in NHL history to register 400 goals and 1,000 assists and play 1,500 games, which, in writing this, I didn't know this. Wayne Gretzky never did that. Really? Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was told. What, that Joe Thornton's played more games than Gretzky? No, the, the fact that he recorded 400 goals, 1,000 assists, and played 1,500 games. Oh, all all of those things. I want to say yes. I mean, like I said, you can't quote me on that, but that's what I was reading in the article. Oh, yeah, Gretzky only ever played, uh, like, uh, 1,487 games. Hmm. Yeah, he never played 1,500 games. How about that, eh, Tim? Yeah, and that's even, and that's even including his uh, years in the WHA. Yeah, but then again, they don't exactly count those years, though, in the NHL. No. So, Tim, I know that a ongoing story that we followed last season was the NHL and their other dealings with CTE and concussions, and the NHL has reached a settlement in a lawsuit brought forth by a large number of ex-players. The lawsuit was brought about due to the new developments in medical research that appears to de- to demonstrate a link between repeated blows to the head and CTE. The settlement is worth just under $19 million. Which is an absolute joke because it's, what, 250 players, I believe? So I don't know what the math is, but I think it's like twenty-five grand each player would get. Yeah, so it's nothing. Yeah, and I know that Dan Carcillo has spoken out saying that he's rejecting it because they have a clause in the lawsuit that you have 90 days, you can either opt out of it or you can accept it. And Dan Carcello is opting out and he's speaking out. They're saying a lot of ex-players should do the same. Hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of ridiculous that it's just, well, what I find kind of ridiculous about that is uh, on top of that, the NHL somehow got like no liability. Yeah. Like, and again, that's... right. It's a story that we've been following during the show's, beginning is that the NHL it really goes to show is it's almost like the NHL doesn't care about their ex-players yeah it's like hey thanks for all the good times now get out yeah it's a lot like if you watch like even look at the NFL in baseball with some of their alumni right and especially in the NFL where the NFL are sued the league for Mm -hmm. money and and the same thing the NHL players are going with CTE and repeated blows to the head and all the all the medical side effects that go with that. So I would not be surprised if a large number of players opt out of that and they go after the league for more. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to see what they do. Mm-hmm. We'll have to keep an eye on that, Tim. Yeah. And I don't know the law well enough to make a statement. Yeah. So Tim, you know, remember your idea for a summit series between the NHL and KHL? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like the NHL is going to do that because NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly confirmed that the league is planning a World Cup of Hockey tournament to take place in 2020. No official announcement will come until the league and PA agree to a new CBA for the 2020-21 season. What info is known is that the tournament will revert back to the format seen in the 96 and 2004 tournaments with multiple host cities with 
Edmonton and Chicago being the early favorites, and Team North America and Team Europe will also not be a thing. You mean they're taking out the only fun part of the tournament? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, great. I don't care. No. No, and you know what? Again, I didn't care about the World Cup of Hockey when it was on a couple years back, and in fairness, I haven't really cared about those tournaments, so... I mean, like... Yeah, and 2020... Isn't that an Olympic year as well? Yes. Yeah, so it's just going to be Olympics 2.0. Mm-hmm. I get... I could give less of a shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't I mean, care it's about a joke. the hockey tournament. Because it's just too one-sided. Mm-hmm. So this story actually made me really sad. A report from NBC Philadelphia coming out regarding six teenage boys being charged for assault and conspiracy to commit simple assault and harassment stemming for from a brutal on-ice brawl between the Ridley Raiders and the Central Buck West Bucks back in March 2017. The incident occurred after the Raiders simply lost it and decided to turn things violent as a result of them losing 7-1 during the quarterfinals of a championship class. I don't remember this brawl. How bad was it? I'm not sure, but it must have been bad, right? If now they're being charged for it. Yeah, like, did they, like, gore someone, or? I'm not sure. Then again, I don't remember. I don't even remember hearing about this story back in the day. Yeah, it's just, it must have been nutty if the police are getting involved. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird. Chicago Blackhawks will honor NBC analyst and former Blackhawk Annie Ocek with one more shift prior to their game versus Minnesota, which was last night. The Blackhawks' one more shift program is in place to honor former players by giving them a proper send-off at the United Center, which has also done, also been done for Brian Bickle, Ed Belfour, and your good buddy, Jeremy Roenick. <sighs> but, I don't know, that's cool. It kind of reminds me of what the Sens did with uh, Alfredson when they retired his number. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Except... You know, they're bringing back more of the legends, and they're just giving them one more shift. Yeah, and by legends, you also include Brian Bickle. The Philadelphia Flyers have signed (laughs) 14-year-old Luke Rogers to a one-day contract. Rogers, who is currently receiving treatment for acute lymphoblastic leukemia at Rogers Cancer Institute, took to the ice for Flyers practice in advance of Hockey Fights Cancer Night on November 27th in Philadelphia, versus... A little team that we cover called the Ottawa Senators. Huh, that's really cool. I really do like all that Make-A-Wish sort of stuff. Absolutely, man. And the fact that the hockey players and hockey teams are so willing to do it too, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you ever go into YouTube and you watch those contemplation videos of the hockey players giving back to the fans. No, but uh, I guess we just watched, like even just watching the Senators uh, with what they were doing for like... The Capital City Condors, Jonathan Petra, all that stuff. It's honestly, it's a real, it's awesome what they do for the communities. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the players get involved too, it's been really amazing. Hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely something I love about the NHL. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, Tim, I gotta ask you a simple question: Are you sick of all the William Nylander posts on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook? Honestly, I laugh at them most of the time. Well, 
San Jose Sharks captain Joe Pavelski spoke to the media prior to the Sharks game versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pavelski playfully needled the Toronto media regarding the media coverage given to Leafs RFA William Nylander, stating, You guys need a few more Nylander articles out there. It's been kind of quiet. Damn. That's savage. That is Randy Savage. But you know what? He's absolutely right because, especially if you're up here in Canada watching TSN, Sportsnet, even if you're on social media, I'm just I'm just tired of all these William Nylander posts. It's like, okay, look, I understand that Kyle Dubas is trying to do his job re-signing them, but I don't think the Toronto Police can do it because you look at their lineup, you need money for Matthews, need money for Marner, you've already signed Tavares, and I know that Patrick Marlowe is on the books, Freddie Anderson's on the books, Morgan Riley... There's not a lot of money, and I've been saying for the longest time, if I was Kyle Dubas, I would look to other teams, trade Nylander to one of those teams, and get a solid defenseman two back. Yeah. Well, it's just the thing is, is like, yeah, you're looking, you're kind of looking at cap hell coming up, and uh, honestly, it's it's actually kind of impressive that they're going into cap hell without a a good defense core. Yeah, it's, it's something to witness. And you know what? I mean, as much as I can give Toronto credit for properly rebuilding after how many years of them trying, and the fact that Brendan Shanahan came in and he brought the right people and drafted the right people, it is, I don't want to say it's kind of nice to see the Leafs succeed, but you're absolutely right. Like, they're heading into cap hell with all the money tied up up front with no defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of... Uh the luck of the draw because like they thought that Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner were going to be like two studs to build around. And to be fair, Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner are fairly good defensemen, but it just has, hasn't been enough. And you've got that really weak left side with uh number one defense, <laughs> number one defenseman Ron Hainsey. So there's still, there's work to be done. Yeah. Remember when Luke Shen was supposed to be the Leafs' number one defenseman? And they picked him over Carlson. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then Anaheim later waived him. Yeah. Which just happened the other day, too. Yeah. I remember he played a bit of time on, like, the bottom pairing of uh, frickin' Arizona. Yeah. You know you're bad if you're playing on the bottom pair of the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, no kidding. Let's go into our next story. Pittsburgh Penguins have re-signed GM Jim Rutherford to a three-year contract extension through to the 21-22 season. Rutherford is in his fifth season as GM of the Penguins after he spent 20 seasons as GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, winning the Stanley Cup in 2006 and making a cup final appearance in 2002. This is a weird one. Because, like, Jim Rutherford probably deserves some credit for the two-time Stanley Cup, the recent two Stanley Cups of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like it's... He hasn't really managed the downswing of the Penguins well. No, and we've definitely noticed that over the last week or two, given that they're in a pretty bad slide with all the injuries. Yeah, and then, like... Well, the Jack Johnson trade... Well, picking up Jack Johnson was egregious. Like, that's just bad the con he did they didn't get enough for connor sherry no and like i get it like and i think they might actually have a defense core worse than the senators 
I know. Let's just try and wrap our heads around that, too. Yeah, which is surprising, because Chris Letang is still very serviceable. Like, he's still a very, he's still a top defenseman in the league. He is, but you know what? His play has really suffered over the last several seasons, and even in the years where they won the Cup, he was really the weak link on defense. That's hard to say, though, because you've got, like, the defense, like, those defense had, like, uh, Dumoulin, Mata, Elysiak, and uh, Jay Schultz. There wasn't a lot of talent on those D-lines outside of Latang. Yeah, but Latang, even Latang was not that great on those those defense bearings. For sure. But it was still better than what else they had. Yeah, that's true. Sticking with the Penguins, veteran NHL defenseman Paul Martin officially retired at the age of 37. Martin drafted 60, 62nd overall in 2000 by the New Jersey Devils, played 14 seasons with three teams. New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and San Jose, scoring 50 goals, 270 assists for 320 points in 870 games. So a pretty solid defenseman all around. Not a superstar, not an all-star, but a very good serviceable defenseman. Yeah, like I think what most people think of uh, stay-at-home defensemen at the NHL, they're usually thinking of Paul Martin. And, like, the guy was, like, he was very good at suppressing shots. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, teams definitely, when he was on the ice, good things happened, generally speaking. Yeah, and you definitely look at those years that he played in New Jersey, right? And even though they didn't win the Cups in those years, they still had a really solid defense. Berder was still in his prime. And ultimately, it's just the team never gelled enough to get them over the hump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Paul Martin went on to other teams. It still worked. Yeah, we especially saw that in San Jose the year that they went to the Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. Or his years in Pittsburgh. Winnipeg Jets defenseman Josh Morrissey has been fined $8,467 and, this is very important, $0.74 cents for his body slam on Washington Capitals forward TJ Yoshi. I don't know about you, but this is not as bad as the Matheson body slam on Elias Peterson. Yeah, that's probably why there wasn't a suspension. Yeah. I do laugh, though, that they added the 74 cents, though. That had to come out of some formula. Oh, it had to have been. It had to have been. Yeah, it's... Like, I think... I haven't watched the hit in a while, so I'm not sure if it was suspension-worthy, but yeah, it's definitely not as bad as that Matheson slam. It wasn't really that bad, the the one on TJ Oshie. It was, a sim- it was a simple hockey play where he was stopping and he pushed him back. Oh, okay. So it didn't just... look... Yeah, it didn't really look like a body slam. Some people could argue that it looked like it, but I'm on the side of it didn't really look that bad, so the fact that he only got a minor, not even a minor suspension, a minor fine, that's That's... fine with me. Okay. Yeah. But what's with all these body slams lately? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know I talk about wrestling all the time, but I don't think body slams deserve to be in hockey. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, they're bringing wrestling belts into hockey, so, you know, anything's possible at this point. Yeah, no kidding. Los Angeles Kings have traded Tanner Pearson to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Carl Hagelin. Pearson, who has only recorded one assist in 17 games for the Kings, while Hagelin recorded one goal, two assists for three points in 16 games for the Penguins. Now, this is an interesting trade because, especially for Carl Hagelin, I didn't, 
For whatever reason, I thought Haglin put up more points than he actually did, but apparently he's more of a 40-point guy every year. Yeah, and he's he's had a rough... Like, the last two seasons have been rough. And it's funny because when they brought him in, it was kind of a jumpstart trade that worked out. Mm-hmm. And that's how, he's, that's how he's heading out. They're hoping that... Both sides are hoping that the player they got gets a jumpstart. And honestly... I'm not sure who's more likely to. This is one of those trades that just kind of seems like a wash at this point. Mm-hmm. I think Haglin will pr- probably do okay in LA, given that LA needs more speed on their offense. And Pearson, I think he's more likely to have a bounce back in Pittsburgh, given the talent they have around them. And the fact that he's a big guy who can move, and he's been known to score. So I see maybe Pearson being the one who bounces back in Pittsburgh, but we'll definitely have to keep an eye on Haglin in L.A. Yeah. Although it's it's interesting because even play, like his best season in L.A., he still had 20, he had 25 goals, which is kind of eh. Yeah, like, but even 25 goals, that's nothing to sniff at, though. That's, that's a solid. That's to sniff at, yeah. Although at the same time, it's just, it's not like either of those teams are really heading in the right direction. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, hey, you know what? Maybe they can have a bounce back and help their teams out. Maybe. And then I think that they both have... Their cap hits after the trade were equivalated. So it's not like there's much... It's not like there's a bunch of money going in and out either way. Okay. I don't know. It's it's a a hopeful jumpstart trade, but I don't think it's enough for either of those teams. Let's head on to our next trade. Edmonton Oilers have traded Ryan Strom to the New York Rangers in exchange for Ryan Spooner. Strom, who was acquired by the Oilers in the Jordan Eberle trade, recorded 13 goals, 21 assists for 34 points in 82 games with the Oilers last season, while Spooner recorded 4 goals, 12 assists for 16 points in 20 games last season with New York, after he was traded from the Boston Bruins for Rick Nash. Is it hard to believe Rick Nash is not even in the NHL right now? Yeah, I'm honestly a little surprised because it wasn't like Rick Nash was bad last year. No, but you can tell that he pretty much ran out of gas last season. I think maybe that's why that teams were like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But even the last couple of years, you could really tell he didn't have much left in the tank. Yeah, that's fair, which is sad because he is one of those guys that's been, he was very, very talented. Mm -hmm. Given that he didn't have much talent around him in Columbus, he put up pretty solid numbers. Yeah, and then he was, I people he always kind of underperformed in New York, but to this trade, it's really funny how they managed to turn Jordan Eberle into Ryan Spooner. I know, and remember what we talked about the Strom trade last year, and we said that maybe a change of scenery would help him out in Edmonton. Yeah, that didn't really happen. No, it just turned into a cap dump that turned into Chris Russell. I guess it, right? I don't know. Ryan Spooner is one of those definitely really interesting player. Last season, he was riding percentages pretty hard. Mm-hmm. We're talking like ridiculous levels of even like even strength scoring per hour, but he also had a pretty high shooting percentage. So I doubt he repeats it. But honestly, who's to say? Yeah, I, I mean, Strom was one of those guys who he had a very promising career. Ahead of them, yet I think the New York Islanders, like so many other prospects in the past, they just ruined him. 
They brought him up too early. They expected so much out of him, and he didn't perform. Mm-hmm. And then you throw him into the Edmonton meat grinder, and he's, he doesn't get to play with McDavid, so he gets to play with whatever whatever garbage. Yeah, exactly. Because you look at Ty Ratty, right? Right at the beginning of the year, they put him with McDavid, and the guy was like, yep, yeah, I'll just score at will, no problem. Because McDavid. Exactly. Now, actually, I wanted to bring this up because after this trade was made, our bot Adam reached out to me on Twitter, and apparently, for the first 10 years of the Niagara Ice Dogs, Ryan Strome was voted the first player. Huh. Yep, and here's the two players he beat out. Freddie and Dougie Hamilton. Wow, that's actually pretty impressive. Yep, and apparently he also beat out Mark Vistanen, who, from what Adam was saying, got them both to their first OHL Eastern Conference pennant. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that, Adam. Appreciate that, bud. Yeah, it's a shame that... Well, I guess both these guys are kind of reclamation projects at this point. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I don't know, maybe just being in a... Finally being on the other side of the Hudson, maybe he's in a lower-pressure situation. Mm, especially because the Rangers are in a rebuild right now, so there might be some room for him to maybe regain his confidence and get his career back on track. Yeah, no kidding. Until we look at this, you know, in a year's time and he's out of the NHL. But, you know, we'll and save that for next year. Although the other thing... Like, Ryan... I don't know, but... Uh, the hard thing about Ryan Spooner, though, is, like... If they put him with McDavid, he'll probably shoot the nuts. But he's a guy who, yeah, riding shooting percentage, having like 13% shooting percentage, that's that's going to regress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, it's another reclamation trade. Um, I think the Rangers got the better player. I think so, too, especially if he can get his career back on track and become a solid player. Yeah. Like, these reclamation trades are the hardest to judge. They are. Because it's always, you kind of have to, it's like, okay, they're not exactly coming from their best situations. And, I don't know, it's still hilarious that Edmonton somehow turned Everle into Spooner. Well, think of it this way. They turned Taylor Hall and Jordan Everle into Ryan Spooner and Adam Larson. Oh, Shirelli. Yep. Let's go on to our next story, Tim. Arizona Coyotes have re-signed... Defenseman Jacob Churlin to a six-year, $27.6 million contract with an AAV 4.6. Chai Churin recorded four goals, 10 assists for 14 points in 50 games for Arizona last season. And how is he rewarded? He's injured! That's one of the things that I always find really frustrating about the Coyotes. Is These teams would be good if they could just not be freaking injured all the time. Yeah, we saw that last season, remember, when Anti-Ratna went down. Yeah, and, like, at age like at age 19, he's putting up some pretty good numbers, not really riding percentages, and good production. So, like, I expect good things out of this about Jacob Schuster, and he just needs to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy with the 4.6 cap hit. Yeah, it's not going to bite them in the ass if uh, it just doesn't pan out. Exactly. Winnipeg Jets have signed veteran center Logan Shaw to a one-year contract worth $675,000. Shaw recorded 12 goals, 19 assists, and 31 points in 180 games with the Florida Panthers, Anaheim Ducks, and Montreal Canadiens since being drafted by Florida 76th overall in 2011. This is 
do they just need to fill a hole? I guess so. Like, this just screams replacement player all over it. Like, not good on the... Not a lot of points. Not very good at, in the fancy stats. Doesn't play a lot of ice. Looks like he's mostly in, like, a 7th... Sorry, like, a 13th forward kind of placement. Yeah, or he's in the minors. Or in the minors, yeah. Honestly, meh. But at least his production is on the upswing, question mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty meh. Well, now we come to our final story for top of the hour. A statue of ex-Canucks head coach and executive Pat Quinn was vandalized outside Rogers Arena. Online suspicion is that the diffraction of the stat diffraction of the statue is due to some kind of protest against U.S. President Donald Trump. Wait, what? How? I know exactly. That's what I said. The the defacement of the statue, and I don't understand it because. What does Pat Quinn have to do with Donald Trump? Did people just screw screw that up? Like, like why are you going around vandalizing shit anyway? I don't know. Especially in Vancouver, where Pat Quinn is absolutely beloved by the fans. Yeah, that's weird. However, Tay, do you mind if I tack one more story on to top of the hour? Sure, and I would also like to point out, this is now our longest top of the hour at 18 stories. Oh, jeez. Well, this last one's a good one. Let's so. Do it. You know how they always have, during intermission, they'll have, like, the like the really little kids play a hockey game? Yes. And normally it's just kids falling over. This is the most Philadelphia thing to ever happen. Was On it gritty? Sat- it involves gritty, yes. On Saturday night, one of the kids goes rogue and fights gritty. <laughs> That's hilarious. He is the first child in the history of any of those events to be put in the penalty box. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Is that not the most Philadelphia thing to happen? Ever? Yeah, the only thing that would have made that more Philadelphian is if they started throwing snowballs at him. Or like beer cans, or if like the kid chugged a beer in the penalty box or something. Yeah, yeah, that actually would have been good too. But I actually want to point out one thing with those events of like, you know, they have the kids on the ice playing during intermissions. Yeah. Why do they use the full ice? You know, and I feel bad for that one kid at the other end in the goal. He's just standing there doing nothing. Because it's funny. How is that funny? I always said, and I said to my dad, I said that to him one time, I was like, why don't they move the nets to the blue line? Or, like, just play horizontal, but I think it just makes... It's like, oh, look at the little kids. They're falling all over. But, uh... You know what the, the next level would be? What? Do you remember that episode of South Park? Where it's uh, the Avalanche versus the Detroit Red Wings. Yes. And then Stad's, like, Timbit's hockey team ends up replacing the Red Red Wings. Yeah, that was actually kind of funny. I like that. And it's just the the Red Wings. Sorry, no, they replaced the Avalanche. The Red Wings just destroy them. Yeah. That's true. I haven't seen that episode in a long time. I might have to go back and rewatch that. Oh, it's so good. But then just at the end end of the episode, a kid with cancer dies. Oh, that's depressing. It was a great episode. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this week. Now, we've got three games to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Panthers, Red Wings versus the Senators, and the Penguins versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Or... Should I say, are you ready, brother?
Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Panthers. This is a 5-1 Panthers victory. Senators' goals were scored by Ryan Dezingle. Panthers' goals were scored by Alexander Barkov with two. Jonathan Huberdeau, Frank Vertrano, and Troy Brower. Shots were 40-35 for Florida. Florida absolutely dominated Ottawa in this game. Ottawa tried to get something going in this game. However, James Reimer shut the door. Florida's offensive attack is what killed Ottawa in the end, as well as the play of Mike McKenna. And let's just talk about him, because... Fuck, I've seen barely goalies that played better than he did in this game. I couldn't finish that game, like, after, like, two of the really bad goals that... Like, granted, Ottawa's defense didn't do much for him, but after some of those goals he just let in, I was like, I can't even watch this, so... Uh, I think we know what Simpsons gift we're applying to this game. Stop! Stop! He's already dead. We're gonna use that one a lot this season, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, this was a game where just things look good for the senders in the first period and the third period the wheels really fell off the bus in the second yeah i don't know where the hell they went in the second but i have to say other than that it wasn't the most exciting game in the world i've seen and again we have to talk about florist attendance because that's embarrassing seeing that and i always said i said this to pan from the sense call-ups why don't they do what they do in WWE where they get all the fans to fill one side of the arena where the camera is. So it looks like it's full. Well, isn't that what Tom Dundon basically does? And Caroline's like, yo, just come down to the lower bowl. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, especially for if you're looking at watching on TV, because if you ever look on like Twitter, if you see some of these WWE events and even, excuse me, in games of the South, you see all the rows of empty seats. And it's just like, that's embarrassing. Yeah, and that can't be heartening for anyone. Like, why the hell would you want to go to that game? I don't know. I mean, especially when you have an arena that's out in Sunrise, which is like half an hour on a good day in Miami. And apparently the arena is really nice down there. But again, why would you want to drive a half of an hour to watch a bad team? Yeah, like, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't either. I guess like, like, that's the thing. It's like, a lot of people are like, what's a downtown arena going to do? But I'm like, it's going to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, because if you it's... remember back in the day when Florida was in Miami, like, their games were constantly sold out. Yeah, because it's, you make an evening out of it. Like, even if the team sucks, like, sure, I'll, like, especially for Florida, where you can pick up, like, $20, $30 tickets, it's like, fuck it, whatever. I'll go to the game get a few beers and me then go to the bars afterwards yeah even that right i mean and i know games in the last couple of years they were selling tickets for eight dollars nine dollars yeah so it's like if that was downtown miami it's like hell yeah i go out have a good evening and then maybe something else happens from there and i think that's like that's why i think having a downtown read on ottawa is a key thing for the market and i think i really disagreed with uh joseph there saying like it's not that big of an issue like i think it's a huge issue because like in toronto was awesome you could go like go to a raptors game then go for dinner imagine being able to go to a sens game then go into the market afterwards Mm -hmm. yeah it's just you have to make it a fun experience exactly let's talk a little bit of james reimer because i thought he looked good against ottawa in this game despite 
the Senators having a number of really good chances. Yeah, that's the the thing about James Reimer is he's always been like a flash of brilliance sort of goaltender. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of even see it this season where he's been putting in, like, in the absence of Roberto Luongo, he's been putting in some solid numbers. Like, his last five games, he's only had two, two games lower than .9. Sorry, .92. Like, that's solid goaltending from James Reimer. Now, one more note I want to make of this game before we head on to our second game. The real American Brady to Chuck with those three hits in 30 seconds. Like Joseph mentioned it on when we interviewed him last week. And it's reasons like that as why he's really becoming a fan favorite in Ottawa. Well, it's just his complete ability to wreak havoc. Yeah, and he's been a real spark plug. And he's been the pulse of this team. And he's 18, 19 years old. He's just a kid. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to see what sort of chaos he throws around in a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually one thing I've been noticing about the Senators lately is a lot of their shots nowadays, like, they're really coming from that right up in the net. Yeah, and we definitely noticed that in the next game, too. Yeah. It's just pure, unadulterated chaos. Yeah, I really can't wait until... Tachuk really grows into that body. He's going to be a real pest to people. Oh, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Actually, I wanted to ask a real question because Joseph brought up a good point about about the boycott and how the fans shouldn't do that. He, they always said, well, you want Mark Stone to stay? Well, show them. Show them that you want to stay. And I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, fuck, he's not wrong on that. And I was no, thinking about if I was to get another Sens jersey or even a jersey, would you get a Thomas Shabbat? Or a Brady to Chuck. I'd probably get a Shabbat. But it's yeah, just like, me too. it's hard because it's like, you, like I understand the boycott. There's, And I, I want that sort of tactic work, but it's like, it's a staring contest against like the most stubborn man in the universe. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win. And it, it's not like the league can say, hey, you're too, you can't own this team because you're too poor. I don't think the league would ever entertain doing something like that. And I don't think they sh- I'd be alarmed if they did. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, as much as the whole, like, I think we can just keep, like, keep pushing, like, that we don't like the guy and just really put the microscope on the guy. But at the end of the day, if you want the players you like to stay to stick around, you got to make sure that they can actually get paid. Absolutely. Let's head to our next game, Tim. Red Wings versus Senators. This is a 2-1 Senators victory. Red Wings goals were scored by Michael Rasmussen. Sens goals were scored by Drake the Snake Batherson and Cody Ceci. Shots were 36-35 for the Detroit Red Wings. An evenly played game overall. Both teams started the game fast-paced and physical until it kind of tapered off midway through the game. It was mostly a goalie battle between Craig Anderson and Jimmy Howard, who both recorded 34 saves. So, let's talk about Drake Batherton. First NHL goal, and how it started off is Matthew Shane won the faceoff. Batherton slithered behind him to snipe at home. Now, I understand that everybody is going with the bath time. I want to go to Drake the Snake. I yeah. mean, they both work. They do. They both work. And I, when I heard when you were saying bath time, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess it works. Yeah, I mean, 
I like it. Maybe I'll come around on it. I'm still saying Drake the Snake. Yeah. Well, I mean, fair. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, like, Drake Batherson just steps in and looks completely natural. It's honestly a little scary. Yeah, and especially when you looked at some of the players that we had on this team this year, like Brady to Chuck. Brady Chuck came right into the lineup and made an impact, and Drake Batherson's doing the same thing. Yeah, and then you've got... And Lejoie. And Lejoie, let's not forget him, even though he has tapered off a little bit. Well, I mean, he's been stuck on CC Island. Yeah, there's not much he can do on that, to be honest. Yeah. Honestly, I, I'd almost say, like, see what Lejoie and Weidman can do, but Weidman's been fighting it this season as well. Although, to be fair, he's been stuck with Borvietsky. That is true. That is true. One yeah, player I actually got to talk about is Justin Applicator, because what a pest this guy was in the game. And that fight with Brady Chuck in the first period, and he almost got into a second with Borvieski, was yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even though he got his ass handed to him by Chuck. Oh, yeah, and that was beautiful. Like, it was just good to see, like, this like young guy Brady Chuck comes in, it's just like, no, I'm going to pay my rent. <laughs> yeah, it was really great to see. Yeah, overall, like, this was... It was a tight game, and considering that I'm, I don't think either of these teams is very good. That's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Thomas Shabbat looked very good again, despite... and that's what I have in my notes too. I said that Shabbat has six points, but he hit the post twice in this game. Yeah, like despite not actually getting on the score, despite not getting on the scorecard, he looked very smooth, very comfortable, and the guy played 27 minutes. Holy shit! Like, I, know. I, like, I mean, the transition between Carlson to Shabbat has been really seamless this year. And, you know, I'm getting the last laugh because I took Shabbat in my fantasy draft. You're going to bring this up every episode, aren't you? Yes, I am. And the I fact mean, that Eric Carlson just scored his first goal with the San Jose Sharks the other night. Yeah. I mean, it was a long time coming, and I really hope him the best. God, I hope he scores against the Canucks when I see him in February. Yeah. Dave, you got your ticket to see him in... yeah we've got lower bowl nice same yeah and it's uh one of the sections behind the cat behind the away bench ah boy so i'm gonna make a we miss you carlson sign yeah i I still don't know what kind of sign i'm gonna make for the game but I'm, i'm gonna make a good one yeah as i said off the top it was mostly a goalie battle between anderson and howard both guys didn't face a ton of shots even though craig anderson was the one who had to stop two penalty shots yeah that was weird what even gets called a penalty shot nowadays i don't know because i don't think either of those calls really warranted it no absolutely not i remember watching that thinking that's a penalty shot really but it's like i feel like the more i watch the 2018 2018-2019 Ottawa Senators, the more I realize that this is just some weird testing out of the boundaries of the rule book. Like, look at all of the goaltender interference bullshit that we've dealt with. Mm-hmm. And now these weird penalty shots. We're going to probably see some edge cases for, like, kneeing or something. Or, like, stuff that, like, never gets called. Yeah, it'll be I interesting to see, to be honest. Yeah, I want to see what the... Honestly, it would be a fun little betting game we could come up with. What? 
like what's the most esoteric rule the Ottawa Senators could break this year? Okay, okay, we'll have to brainstorm some ideas. Yeah. But I think that's all I really have to say about this game. Yeah. Do you want to go on to the third game? Yeah. Penguins versus Senators. This is a 6-4 Senators victory. Penguins scores are scored by Zach Aston reese Matt Collin, and Patrick Hornquist. Senators scores are scored by Mark Stone with two, Matt DeShane with two, Cody Ceci, and Dachaka Mania. Shots were 35-25 for Pittsburgh. Ottawa dominated Pittsburgh in this one with their speed, relentless attack on offense, and physical play. Pittsburgh started the game sluggish but got their game going after their first power play and were able to get a couple of goals in the third period. Ottawa had one of their best games as they were able to burn Pittsburgh's defense on numerous occasions. Let's talk about the physicality of this game because this was a physical game for both teams and it almost felt like a playoff game almost with how physical it was. I mean, if we could replace this game with Game 7, I'd have been pretty happy. Oh, I know. I was just thinking that. Like, where were these guys in Game 7? Most of them weren't on the team. That's true. But another fantastic game by Drake Batherson. Really? I actually don't have anything about him in my notes. Two assists, and they were nice. Like, especially the assist on the 3-1 goal. Like, it was just nice tic-tac-toe play. Nice. we uh, got to talk about the Chuck White-Stone line. They combined with three goals and an assist. Hands down, our best line right now. Well, it's just pure, unadulterated chaos. Yeah, especially with Brady to Chuck, who is an absolute thorn in Pittsburgh's side. And I really love that when Malkin skated by, Brady sort of gave him a shoulder. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, this kid's going to be great. And Malkin deserves it for being just one of the dirtiest players out there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Crosbyless Penguins, though, because that was a sad sight to see. It was, and I didn't realize how beat up Pittsburgh was until I watched this game, and they were talking about it, and I was like, oh, okay, that would explain a few things, why that they're slow, why they look, why they're not gelling, and we also can't forget that Matt Murray had one of his... I wouldn't say one of his worst games, but he had a terrible game. Well, it was three goals on ten shots? Yikes. Yeah, but like, you got to understand, the defense did not help him on that, except for that one goal where... No, sorry, that's not the goal. I'm thinking of the the goal that McKinnon led in versus Florida, where he sort of went down, he sort of poke check him, and the guy flipped it over him. Yeah. I mean, that was just... That was a bad goal, but it's just... They didn't, like, neither DeSmith, like, DeSmith played a bit better, but, like, they weren't making saves they needed to, and this was especially true in the third period, where it looked like Pittsburgh was finally starting to put something together. Mm-hmm. And then Duchesne for Batherson just puts the final, final nail in the coffin. Duchesne has been a guy who's been really impressing me lately, and it's funny that I don't mention him enough in my notes when I watch these games. Well, it's because he's, whenever he's on the ice, good things are happening. Like, it's, Pucks usually go. Pucks are going the right way. He's like it's playing hard, hard playing, hard cycling, and like the whole season, Matt Duchesne's been fantastic. Like probably the best senator, uh, except maybe outside of maybe him, Mark Stone or Shabbat. Like we're talking twenty four points in twenty games on a goddamn awful Ottawa Senators team. Yeah. So he's gonna get paid. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned Batherson and Duchesne because 
at the Sens Army on Twitter tweeted that out. Drake and Duchesne are the real duo. Fair enough. Although, yeah. like, that's like the the interesting thing about the Senators is just like these like these natural lines are starting to form and honestly the one that surprised me the most is just the elevated play of Colin White this year. Yeah, and again, we're talking we're having another episode where we're talking about Colin White and usually I don't give him a lot of credit because I usually watch him and I think okay, something's not there for me watching him, but this season I really haven't said that a whole lot because I'm watching him and I'm like, okay, he seems like a more complete player this year. Oh, for sure. And like last year, like a, a lot of people are like, eh, maybe top nine. We'll see. But this year he's come out and just really played that top six role. And at this point, I think it's his to lose. Yeah. And he seems to be doing really well with Stone and to Chuck. So I really am really happy with that. And I hope that could be a pairing for the rest of the season because they are doing fantastic. Yeah. And it's, well, the thing is, is like, I think it's something that's stable because it's all three players are conducive to that sort of chaos Mm -hmm. of just really getting down in the muck and like, they're great at getting pucks, moving pucks and pushing them into the net. And like, I think pushing them into the net is the best way to describe it because it's just straight up grinding it into the net. Like it's nice steals and then just putting it there and fighting its way into the net. Yeah, and that's why I've been really impressed with them so far this season. Yeah, and it's something that Ottawa's been missing for years now. Yeah, and honestly, it's funny that the consensus on Twitter right now about Brady Duchuk, uh judging from June to now, has really changed from, why the hell did we pick him to thank God that we picked him? Yeah, honestly, I still think that at this point, I still think that Zadina is probably going to be the better player over the long run, but mm-hmm. it's not as strong of a conviction anymore. Yeah, for sure. One final note is the Pyatt Pi- <laughs> the Smith line was hard matched to the Malkin line throughout the game, and they actually managed to contain them. Yeah. That's something that I didn't think I would say this year. Mm-hmm. Actually, another guy I wanted to mention before we go off into the close, has been Miguel Botker. Because this is a guy that he's been put on the fourth line to be their sort of grind line to wear teams down. And it's a kind of a shame that they've buried him on the fourth line because he's getting a lot of decent chances. Yeah, but at the same time, it's really hard. Because look at, like, the young guys are just playing so well. Yeah, and I understand that, but still, right? I feel yeah. kind of I feel for Bodker because he's a guy that I think he's a little bit more talented than what the Senators are playing him as. They're playing him more as a fourth line grinder. Oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. And I guess the other thing is uh you could definitely tell that he's a guy who used to have like a ton of talent and the hands aren't 100% there all the time, but mm-hmm. it's still there. Like, he still has the talent, and he yeah, still exactly. knows where to go. Yeah, it's just, you're right, it is kind of sad seeing him on the lower lines, but has he been better than Dezingle, Batherson, Kachuk, and why am I blanking on the last person here? Stone? Stone. Yeah, Stone. No. No, but in fairness, 
you know, those guys are playing top six minutes, whereas Blacker has been a bottom six guy all year. But I yeah. understand where you're going with this, right? I'm a little surprised that they have that uh, Tyranny Ryan Bodker hasn't really been a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Tyranny has been pretty decent as a third-line center, though. He has. Yeah, actually, I think he's filled into that role quite nicely. And I'd definitely like to see more. Like, Tyranny Bodker Ryan would be, I think, would be a very competent third line. Mm-hmm. But then you'd also be paying uh, Bobby Ryan to be a third liner. And I just don't think that's what that contract really necessitates. But on the other hand, what else he got? Yeah, exactly. So, Tim, I don't have any more notes if you wanted to head on to the close. Yeah, I think it's time to wrap her up for another night. Okay. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I loved recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m901honeybadger, and I'm at greatwhitegipster, g-r-8-w-a-t-e, gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games that we've talked about this evening, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so for the upcoming week, we've only got three games. We've got tonight's game versus Florida, Wednesday versus the Minnesota Wild, and Friday versus the Dallas Stars. Now, at the moment, Florida is up 5-3 to three in the second period. Huh. Not as bad as I thought it was going to no, be. No, and actually, I wanted to bring something up because I saw on Twitter, I'm just going to find it here real quick, that apparently something happened at the Sens game this evening, and the paramedics had to be called in. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm just going to bring it up here. So bear with me here for a minute, Tim. No problem. Yeah. And we also can't forget, I don't think it's the week, it might be the week after we get to talk about Eric Carlson's first game back. That's exciting. It's also a 10, 10 in the morning game, too. What? Yeah. Well, 10 minutes your time, or? Yeah, 10 o'clock our time. Like my, well, my time, because you're an hour ahead of me. Right. Yeah, that's... Seriously, I gotta work that day. Why? Is it, like, on a Saturday, then, or? It is a Saturday. Yeah, it's a Saturday morning game. Okay, so... Okay, so I'm just looking at Joseph's Twitter here, at my hockey talks. Anyone see that there are medics literally giving somebody CPR in the stands? When the puck is going to Andy's right in the corner, you can see it all happening. His next tweet was, saw the medics giving CPR for a while and had to switch medics. That's how long they were giving CPR. Man, I hope this guy's okay. Uh, fan was, uh, Sense Communications, a fan suffered a medical emergency in the stands tonight nearing the end of the first period. The fan was treated immediately by paramedics and team medical staff on site and has been transported by ambulance to a local hospital. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely have to talk about that next week. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the game. At least they got him to the hospital. Absolutely. That's a really good thing to see. Mm-hmm. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Yeah, this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys.
Fight time, it is up. They're going home.